0: Welcome, everyone, to my first ever D2 Women's Basketball podcast. I'm JP, your host and guide for this weekly ramble session on D2 Women's Basketball. Thank you for taking a chance and clicking on my podcast. I hope I can entertain you and possibly provide some useful information. I'm assuming you decided to listen to this podcast because you're a fan of D2 Women's Basketball. That is who this podcast is aimed at and who will hopefully enjoy the content. I plan to analyze D2 women's basketball on a weekly basis, providing my thoughts and insights as to what's going on and what I'm seeing. First things first, let me tell you a little bit about who I am. I'm a basketball fan. I love to watch the game. As far as my experience in basketball goes, I have never been anything more than a youth coach. As a player, I have not played at a higher level than high school. My knowledge of the game comes from talking to people, coaches, players and other fans watching games and studying the games I think if some coaches spent more time watching games they might change up some of their ways of coaching I watch more than a hundred d2 games each year games of teams from all over the country and all conferences I love the women's game and especially the way it's played at the d2 level The reason I started this podcast is because I want to hear analysis of the D2 game, just like we do for the D1 game. Each week during the season, when I tune into ESPN, I hear the talking heads say the same things over and over, analyzing and discussing D1 men's basketball. I watch one show talking about D1 men's basketball, and then that show ends and another one starts up and talks about all the same things. I thought it would be nice to hear someone discussing D2 women's basketball in a similar manner. I know there aren't any cable sports shows covering D2 women's basketball, so I started hunting around for a D2 women's basketball podcast. I couldn't find one. I searched all the main podcast providers. I found a few podcasts that focus on one team or maybe even a given conference, but nothing that covered all of NCAA D2 women's basketball. I decided that there needs to be one, so my podcast was born, coincidentally, on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. I want to talk about D2 women's basketball because I love it, and if I need to do it by myself, for myself, well then that's what's going to happen. If I'm the only one who ever listens, I'm okay with that, and since I'm the only one doing it, it really doesn't matter how bad I am, I will still be the best in this niche. And who knows, maybe I will improve over time. I plan on doing this podcast for about 20 minutes each week, discussing what I'm thinking about in the world of D2 women's basketball. I plan on using the time between now and the start of the season to hone my skills, and once the season starts, I plan to spend more time talking about games and the players making impacts. I will talk about rankings, who's playing well, who the hot teams are, and good matchups I see on the horizon. I'm not going to limit myself to any one team or conference, and I'm hoping to make this podcast of interest to people who want to know what's going on in D2 women's basketball across the country. For now, however, let's start with what D2 women's basketball is. NCAA D2 is the middle level of NCAA's three divisions, and like D1, offers scholarship money for athletes who play. About 300 schools in 23 conferences make up D2 with 64 teams making the NCAA tournament each year. Due to conference realignment, the number of D2 schools fluctuates. Teams reclassify to D1 from D2 each year, and other teams reclassify from D3 or NAIA to become D2 each year. So this number changes from year to year. To be a D2 basketball school, the institution must give a set number of scholarships. The NCAA scholarship requirement for a D2 school is 10 equivalency scholarships per team. This means they have 10 full-ride scholarships to give out to build their team. Those scholarships can be divided up in any manner. The average D2 school has a roster of about 15 players to divide those 10 scholarships. The school can make that roster up by giving 10 players a full scholarship and then 5 walk-ons to Complete the roster. Or they could do five full scholarships and give 10 players 50% scholarships each. They are allowed to portion out these 10 scholarships however they choose. This is an important distinction between D1 and D2, as at the D1 level, scholarships are given out in full. So a player is either a full scholarship or it's a walk on at the D1 level d2 women's basketball plays a full schedule of about 30 games a year the schedule consists of about 20 conference games and about seven or eight non-conference games for the regular season and then at the end of the season conference tournament or ncaa national tournament every team may not make either of these tournaments so the game count will be affected by the team's winning or losing obviously the more that you win in the end of the season tournaments the more games you get and the national championship teams are probably going to get around 35 games and a team that doesn't make any end-of-season tournament will probably get around 27 games. How does D2 compare to D1? Talent, size, and speed. The main differences between D2 and D1 is size and speed. If you compare the rosters of D2 schools to D1 schools, the first thing you will notice is the size difference. D1 teams go to great length to get tall girls, oftentimes ignoring every other aspects of a player's game. On a D1 roster you will usually see at least half the team being over six feet tall. On a D2 roster you will usually see only one or two players that are over six feet tall. Every D1 team has at least one or two 6'2 or taller players on the bench that never play a meaningful minute in their entire collegiate career. Most of the women taller than six feet who play basketball go to D1 schools. The tall players who go to D2 and are good at basketball are rare because there is so much demand for them at the D1 level. If a D2 team does manage to land a quality big girl, they can be very dominant while that player is on the team. Players you see at the D1 level who are shorter than 5'8 are rare but the ones you do see are usually lightning quick and either have incredible ball skills or are shooting three-pointers with a very high percentage. If a player is less than 5'8", it is extremely difficult to get recruited to the D1 level, and those that manage to make it to a D1 roster are exceptional players. The next challenge for them is earning playing time against an entire roster of players taller than they are. The skill level at the d2 level is very high and many of the players have d1 skills they just don't have the size or the speed of their d1 counterparts of course there are players who could play at the d1 level and for many reasons decide to attend d2 schools the top d2 basketball schools are very good and extremely well coached and are better than many d1 schools the difference between the top d2 teams and the bottom D2 teams is much smaller than at D1 meaning the quality of the top D2 teams is not as much higher than the lower level teams as it is at the D1 level every season you see top ranked D2 teams losing to unranked opponents whereas at the D1 level the top programs almost never lose to an unranked opponent that is because there is a lot more parity at the D2 level this also means that a D2 team can go from being a losing team one year to contending for a conference title the next season by adding one or two quality players. This past season, UT Tyler in the Lone Star Conference was coming off two seasons where they finished last in the conference with a one win and 35 loss combined record over those two years. In the 2021 season, they went 10 and five in the conference and 19 and 11 19 and 11 overall making it to the final four of the conference tournament. In the Armac CSU Pueblo finished 3 and 13 in the 2021 season, second to last in the conference. But in 2122 they finished third in the conference with a 23 and 9 record. Those types of turnarounds don't happen nearly as often at the D1 level. At the D1 level you will see a more traditional style of basketball. A center two forwards and two guards some coaches mix it up a small amount but at the d2 level coaches get creative because most of the them don't have quality quality big players on their roster to play the more traditional style of basketball you see teams going with five guards d2 coaches tend to put their best five basketball players on the court regardless of which position they naturally play travel and money At the D2 level, most teams tend to play teams in their area even for their non conference games. D2 teams usually travel by bus to their games just to save money. The D2 teams tend to have much smaller budgets than their D1 counterparts, so flying is a rare occurrence for most of the D2 teams. Watching D2 games is also different. Most D2 conference, I'm sorry, most D1 conferences have television contracts or their own networks. A person can watch a lot of D1 women's basketball games on TV. D2, on the other hand, has almost no TV coverage, at least until the final four of the NCAA tournament. The final four and championship games are broadcast on CBS Sports Network, but if you want to watch any other games, it's likely you will need to stream them. I've never had a problem finding game streams for these games I want to watch and usually they're available for free or for a reasonable price. The NCAA tournament is run differently at the D2 level. In D2 the NCAA tournament is truly a regional tournament for the first three rounds. Each of the regions is comprised of a specific set of conferences. In the year-end tournament you play within your region. Why is this significant? or why this is significant is that if you have three top teams in your conference and all three will be in the same regional bracket of the NCAA tournament, at the D1 level, two of those teams would move to a different region for the NCAA tournament, so you don't have two top-ranked teams playing each other in the early rounds of the tournament. In D2, if you have three top 10 teams in your conference, only only one of them will make it to the Elite Eight the whole point of this regional tournament for the first three rounds is to save travel cost d2 has less money than d1 and this is one way to save a few dollars the downside is that the first three rounds of the NCAA tournament tend to look a lot like the conference tournament did here are a few reasons I think d2 women's basketball is so exciting d2 has a great level of competition like d1 the players at d2 are great basketball players Every one of them was either the best player or one of the best players on their high school team, and often one of the best players in their high school conferences. D2 recruits players from all over the world and is giving away scholarship money to attract top talent. The skill level is quite high and exciting to watch. You will also see great rivalries at the D2 level. As I mentioned earlier, the NCAA tournament is based regionally. So what this means is that a team could play against a conference foe twice on their conference schedule and once in the conference tournament, and then again in the NCAA regional tournament. Playing the same team four or five times in a season, depending on the non-conference schedule, can lead to some bitter rivalries. Style of play in the D2 is different than you will see at D1. Since the players are not as tall for the most part, you will see a lot of differing styles of play. Some teams may get a big boost. I'm sorry. Some teams may get a big post or two and play the inside game while other teams may go to an all small lineup and try to outquick the competition. Some teams will press all game long and others may pack the key and force teams to shoot threes all game. Glenville State, the reigning D2 national champ, plays a very up-tempo game. Glenville subs almost every position at every stoppage in play the revolving lineup on the team is incredible with players going in for a minute or two at a time and then coming out only to go back in after a minute or two i can't argue with their i can't argue with their success however the pace they play at with players going in and out all the time has won them the national championship in the championship game they were significantly outsized yet they still managed to win by a comfortable margin. In fact, Glenfield was behind at the half in the Final Four game and the Championship game, but in both cases, their pace of play wore down their opponents and allowed them to win by 24 points and 13 points in those two games. In D2 women's basketball, you can get up and close and personal with the players and see the game from courtside every game if you want. The crowds are small and the players appreciate every fan that comes to the game. At a lot of sporting events, the players are treated like celebrities and view the fans as a nuisance, but at the D2 women's basketball, everyone feels like a part of the team, and the success or failure is a shared experience. Well, that's it for my first Division Two women's basketball podcast. I hope it was interesting enough for you to try it again next week. I had fun putting this together, and although I may not be Charles, Kenny, or Shaq, I promise I will get better as I do this, and once the season starts, I will have exciting things to talk about each week. Take care, everyone, and have a great week. This is JP signing off.